Hey there, you're listening to the Choosing to Heal podcast, where we ditch the small talk for real deep conversations about all that life has to offer. I'm your host, Monica Lee, and my goal is to share insights and tangible tips to help you maximize your potential and live a life full of intention and purpose. From mental, emotional, and physical wellness to relationships, faith, and business, the goal is always the same. We're choosing to heal, grow, and thrive each day. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and let's chat. Welcome back to episode two of the Choosing to Heal podcast. In the first episode, I shared about my healing journey from burnout to boundaries and everything that went into shaping who I was, learning how to say no, my first experience in people-pleasing and what it takes to heal from that core wound of where we gain our worth and validation. Today, I'm going to be diving into another personal story, a really, really big one that had a huge impact on who I am today. It taught me so, so much, not just about myself and, and the skills that have helped me see the world differently, myself and others, but also it taught me so much about grief and pain and the impact and the role that it plays in life. Now, I want to be clear before we dive into this episode, something that's super important to me is sharing my story with respect to my former husband. This is not going to be a bashing episode. This is not going to be a how dare he or anything like that. This is an episode about me. This is my story of healing. And so this isn't going to be so much about the details of the betrayal itself. It's going to be about the healing process of healing from betrayal trauma and the impact it had on, on my identity and worth and, and all of that. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Picking back up where we left off from episode one, I shared with you that I was in this hustle phase of my business before I started to really learn how to set boundaries. And as you can imagine, going through that season right after I gave birth to my son and really working all the time and hustling, it took a huge toll on my marriage as well, as you can imagine. And unfortunately, it caused many small ruptures that started to break away at the foundation of our relationship or highlight the lack thereof. And while I dealt with my unhealed wounds in my own ways, which I shared with you, right? That is by seeking validation from being of value to other people, seeking success and doing well in my work. The emotional burden on our marriage manifested in different ways for my former husband. Our marriage was definitely rocky with cycles of conflict and disconnection And all relationships, even healthy relationships experience this, but I really had no clue the full extent of how broken it had become at the time. And I was also very much, I had my focus elsewhere. And so I was, they call it betrayal blindness. And I think that because I was so heavily focused on um, my own stuff, so to speak, that I really didn't see it. Until one day it all came to the surface on D-Day. That's what they call it. And disclosure day, my world shattered in an instant. And he came to me and disclosed the full extent of his addiction to alcohol and pornography. And it was in that moment that I learned he had been unfaithful. As you can imagine, I fell into a very, very deep, dark hole. Life after 
that (laughs) panic attacks were the norm. I will never forget sinking down against the wall in my laundry room because my knees gave way. I just laid there hyperventilating, struggling to breathe. I literally didn't think I had the strength to go on. He was in rehab during this time. So I was all alone with my four-year-old son. And it was April of 2020 when the whole world was locked down and in quarantine and Jasper had COVID. So I was literally isolated, you know, and when you go through hard times, they always say like, that's when you need the most support or check in on your friends who aren't doing well. My friends literally could not physically come over and check in on me. It was a nightmare. I couldn't have gone and stayed with a friend for support, even if I wanted to. And it was by far the lowest place I had ever been. I started to question what was wrong with me. Why did this happen? What did I do wrong? I must not be good enough. Otherwise, why wouldn't he choose me? I must not be lovable. I mean, the list goes on and on. The questions, the doubts, the beliefs I started to adopt all because of this. Every day was a never-ending roller coaster of emotions. I was anxious and insecure to bitter and resentful. I was so confused, you know, because my marriage went from, you know, he was all of a sudden this person I wanted to go to for comfort. And then now he's no longer safe. And, and the person that I wanted to comfort me was the person who hurt me. And I didn't want to tell anyone out of fear that they would judge me for staying or judge him because, and I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, there wasn't like this clear, like, well, I'm going to leave or I'm going to stay. Like it was, it's just nothing is certain. Gosh. And there's so much assumption and judgments. And even gosh, I was guilty of it too. Before this happened to me, it's so easy to look at people who are in relationships where that happens. And you're like, well, why would she stay with him? You know? And you just, you really never know until you experience it yourself. You'll never know what you're going to do because it's never so black and white. After the sorrow and the despair and the panic attacks and just the grief came so much anger, so much anger. I So I went from feeling sorry for myself and being a victim to focusing on him, all of his wrongdoings. And this is, I believe the hardest part about healing from betrayal trauma is you have every valid reason to be so angry and upset because you were wronged. You were betrayed. You have every reason to spend the rest of your life bitter and resentful. How is that going to do you any good? This was the hardest part about healing from betrayal trauma. And if you're listening to this, you've experienced it yourself. I know you can identify and resonate with that. As time went on, I recognized and I realized that I was faced with two options. I could either be consumed by bitterness and resentment and let his choices erode my sense of self-worth, shut my heart off again, never trust again, or I could choose to lean in do the hard work and choose to heal. Hence the name of this podcast. I chose to heal. (laughs) That's why I'm here today. Now it would be impossible to fit in everything that was involved in the healing process into this episode. So I'm just going to give a brief overview and touch on some of the main transformations that took place for me in my journey of healing from betrayal. I'm going to share some symptoms and examples of things that I struggled with in the beginning and how those things changed over time. 
Not to worry though, I I will be going into more depth on each of these topics in the future. So if you're like, okay, yeah, but how did you do that? Like, what did you do to get there? Don't worry. More on that will be coming soon. So I did this exercise in therapy called domains of impact. I found it to be extremely helpful and it's essentially making an itemized list or essay, if you will, on how betrayal impacts all areas of your life in 10 different ways. So 10 different areas of your life. And I did this exercise right in the midst in the beginning of betrayal. So, and and those 10 different areas, I'll I'll go through them in a bit, but they're things like, you know, emotion, how it impacts you emotionally, financially, spiritually, your sense of self, like all of these different areas. So it was a very, very rough thing to read in the beginning, but I am so grateful. I went through this exercise because I did it again at the end of recovery and it is so cool. I don't know if cool is the right word, but I don't, I can't think of a better word to see the changes and the transformation and what is possible when you choose to heal. And so what I'm about to share with you are things that I personally wrote in my domains of impact from the beginning and after at the end. Okay. First, I'm going to share the domains of impact before. So this was when I was in the thick of experiencing all of the symptoms of betrayal trauma. I was completely overwhelmed with grief and anger and constantly being triggered and experiencing all of the psychological and physical symptoms of betrayal trauma. And I'm just going to kind of list things off here and dump them. Um, might be a bit heavy to take in, but again, just to encourage you that there is light and hope at the end of the tunnel. Man, I haven't read this in quite a while, so it'll, it's definitely going to take me back to that place. The first domain area of impact is physiological. So your physical symptoms, um, regularly triggered by memories and images and people and things that people say. And every time I'd see these things or hear these things, I would experience PTSD symptoms. So whether it was uncontrollable recurring thoughts, anxiety, tightness in my chest, panic attacks, some days I was unable to eat or exercise due to feeling completely paralyzed and numb. Several times I was unable to get off the floor. I was like, shared with you or function in an everyday routine. When I become triggered, I become flooded emotionally. My adrenaline would spike and my heart rate would increase. I was hypervigilant, which feels like an urgent need to know or snoop or research, which is ultimately exhausting. And it, it stems from this wanting to feel safe, to scan your environment, to make sure that it's safe. And it makes sense as to why we do that because our whole world has been shattered and we're seeking safety because it's, it doesn't, it's not safe. I was physically sick constantly and along with any and all intense emotions that I experienced, which happened all the time. Emotionally, that's domain number two. I felt like I was on an emotional roller coaster. I went back and forth from being fearful and anxious and insecure to angry and resentful. It was impossible to regulate those emotions because they felt out of control. Experiencing those emotions upset me because I wanted to feel normal and in control. And so then I would judge and criticize myself for not being able to keep it together, which added to the shame I felt as a result of the betrayal. 
I didn't like who I became as a result of the trauma. You know, I used to pride myself on being a kind person and to be filled with all of this anger. I started to hate who I became. And because I felt like I was being emotional and dramatic, it caused me to feel like even more of a failure, even more unlovable, which were already highlighted by the betrayal itself. I wished that I could feel happy and healthy and safe, but instead I just felt like I was in a constant state of anxiety and insecurity. And I felt robbed of joy. I felt like emotionally damaged goods. The next domain of impact is family, how it impacted our family life. I felt hurt and jealous and envious when he showed love or emotion towards our son, because it would make me feel like he loved our son more than he did me. And watching our son praise his father and love his father, which is exactly what I want for our son, right? Is to love his father. The mere witnessing of our son smiling at his father was so triggering because I would think of how he didn't know. Our son has no idea the deep pain that he caused. Baby photos of my son were no longer cute and adorable because I would just think about what was happening during this time in our life. Everything, all the photos and memories, they just felt like a lie. Like none of it was real. My whole life was was a lie. It didn't feel fair that our son didn't know. And at the same time, of course, I want to shield him from that and keep him safe, but it felt so unfair. And instead, you know, he sees mommy cry and lose her patience and take my hurt out on him for not being as fun. And so, you know, he would get to be stay the fun dad while meanwhile, I was the upset mom as a result of the something that he did. And it was, I felt like he got to be a hero while I fell short as a result of something that I didn't choose. Of course, all of this had a huge impact on my sexuality. Something sad that happens as a result of sexual betrayal is it causes such deep woundedness that something that is supposed to be sacred and intimate becomes such a source of pain and suffering. And it is quite the journey to heal that area back to a place that can create healing again and be the sacred and pure thing it is supposed to be. Of course, it was a huge trigger, a huge source of anger, envy, you know, when there's pornography involved, of course, I was constantly comparing myself, wondering if I was good enough in comparison to everything, you know, out there, which was not me. (laughs) And the inadequacy that I felt was just, I mean, there was no end to it. It was another layer of shame that I felt in another area that I felt like I would never be good enough in. Of course, it caused me to feel extremely insecure about my body image and just wondering if I would ever... I don't know that I have quite the words to describe how inadequate I felt. 
the next domain is self-concepts So the way that you view yourself. I mean, I felt like a fool. I didn't trust my own judgment or perception anymore. I felt like a shell of myself operating in the worst side of myself that I didn't like. I often thought that I must not be someone worth being wanted or valued or cherished because if I were, why would this happen? I had trouble taking compliments, which is something I had already struggled with to begin with. But I mean, I just couldn't believe any words of affirmation that anyone gave me because how could they possibly be true? And even though I knew that I shouldn't, I couldn't help but judge my worth based on his actions. And his actions suggested that I'm easy to throw away, that I'm not lovable, and that I'm worth nothing, that I'm not worth fighting for. Next domain is spiritual impact. Yes, this rocked my faith significantly. I, I couldn't pray anymore. I felt like God wouldn't answer my prayers anyway. <laughs> like I felt like I had tried to be faithful and a good Christian, but the, why would he let this happen? I was bitter. I questioned God's goodness because my circumstances just did not add up to it. I avoided going to church and small groups. I scoffed at scriptures that contradicted my reality. The worst part was admitting that I had the skepticism because I wanted to be the kind of Christian that still praises God throughout trials, and I wasn't. So again, just added a healthy dose of shame on top of my unbelief for not being strong enough and instead throwing in the towel just because things got hard. So it was bad enough that our relationship was affected, but it infuriated me that it caused me to doubt God's goodness as well. Financially, I mean, rehab's not cheap. Recovery and therapy, it, it's an investment and it's not one that was negotiable. Um, in fact, for me personally, whether or not he decided to recover, I, I knew that I couldn't go on unless I invested in my own therapy and recovery. So I obviously had a lot of resentment that I had to spend money on this thing that I wouldn't have had to otherwise without the the betrayal, but you know, in hindsight, and I'll get to this. So the good the good is coming, but now of course I know that it was the best thing I could ever spend money on. I mean, if money being uh I know that it's a vessel that we all need to survive, but anything that betters us and helps us heals heal is something that is always worth the money being spent on. Next, ability to trust. I felt like our marriage was built on a lie. I didn't believe in anything anyone said. It felt like words didn't hold any meaning or value or weight. I didn't just have trust issues with him and other people, but I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could trust myself, my decision making, my judgment, because I couldn't see it all. How could I not see it all happening? D Day finding out felt like the two airplanes hitting the twin towers and just my whole life crumbling to the ground. And if you want to look at it, like, you know, my ability to trust, that was it. I had to rebuild it brick by brick. Love and relationships. I envied other marriages that weren't soiled by addiction and betrayal. I was jealous of other people's intimacy. I felt guilty that my friends had to step up to the plate and give extra time to check on me and support me. So I was resentful that my friends had to do more and give more because of this betrayal. I felt guilty that I needed them so much that I needed to rely on others. You know, gosh, I can't tell you the amount of phone calls I made 
when they were on vacation or about to go out on a date night. And I called them in tears. I needed them. And it was so hard for me to feel needy. Because of the betrayal, I felt like, man, if you couldn't love me at my best, how could you possibly love me at my worst? Now, looking at who I am now, after all of this has happened. So, I mean, any sort of love just felt absolutely hopeless. Last but not least, consequences and losses as a result of the betrayal. Every day, I mourned the loss of the husband and the marriage and the life I thought I had. I mourned the loss of the time that I spent healing and experiencing the trauma, time that could have been spent loving and experiencing joy. And I felt like all of my good memories had been tarnished. They had been stripped away and are now soiled by this betrayal and these lies. They weren't happy memories anymore, you know, just painful and Right before all of this came to light, as I mentioned, I felt like I'd finally gotten to a point in my life where things were starting to come together. And before, I I, I mean, I'd previously been broken. You know, I came into our marriage with trauma, you know, childhood wounds. We all do. We all have baggage. And I was trying so hard to every day put one foot in front of the other and, and to be shattered all over again. It just didn't feel like I had the strength to put myself back together again. I didn't feel like I had the strength to rebuild my life all over again. Okay, that was heavy. (laughs) And you know, I've read this Domains of Impact letter several times. I read it in my group and the first time I ever shared it, my my therapy group, first time I ever shared it, I couldn't read it without crying. And it's, it's interesting because the more time has passed and the more I've shared it with whether it be friends, close relationships, or um, people who have, you know, confided in me and I've shared it with them, the easier it gets. Because now reading it, I know being on the other side, it's like, I remember what that's like. But at the time, I didn't have the perspective I know now. I mean, of course, it's easier looking back and standing on the other side. I don't know. I guess I just have chills reading this again today because. I guess I just feel gratitude that I'm no longer there in that place, but just also pride. I'm proud that this Monica that wrote this letter, that wrote these things, that I'm here today and I've somehow managed to not feel these emotions or believe these lies anymore. And that is a huge, huge gift. It's one of my most proudest accomplishments honestly, in this life is it's not the success. It's not the money. It's not the rank. It's not the fancy house. It is that I climbed out of that pit of being a victim and choosing light and love again. Okay. I will say that there is no timeline on recovery. That was the first thing I remember Googling was how long is this going to hurt for? How long am I going to suffer like this for? And everywhere, I mean, there's no answer. I was in group with others who were going through this and and it was all over the board. You know, you can get stuck in so many different stages for uh, who knows how long. So I certainly don't want to 
promise or say it will take you this amount of time because unfortunately there's just no way to know. But I did write this about a year and a half after I wrote the first one. And so I just want to share with you again, just how my perspective shifted after an extensive amount of time in recovery. And and by the way, recovery for me was therapy three times a week. It was individual therapy, couples therapy, and group therapy. All three were incredibly helpful. I think that they're all needed. I especially loved group though, because it is extremely easy to feel isolated and feel alone and have nobody to talk to um, when this is happening behind the scenes, especially when it's fresh and there's so much shame around it. And it was so healing to hear other people's stories. And I felt like I could finally see myself and others. It gave me so much hope and encouragement. And maybe, you know, if you're listening to this episode and this is the first time you have heard how you feel spoken by someone else, like it, it's so impactful and moving. And so, um, I guess I'm trying to say if you had, if your resources were limited and you had to choose one group was the least expensive option and it was the most impactful for me to heal in community with others. So just, I guess for the record. Okay. Going back to physiological. So I'm going to go through each of these 10 domains of impact again. Through the process of learning skills to manage betrayal trauma, I learned the ability to recognize the tension and emotions I have in my body, to develop the self-awareness of when I feel triggered and when I feel flooded. And I have the skills now to manage them so they don't completely take over. I no longer feel out of control and I have the confidence in my ability to take care of myself and feel safe in my body. Now, as I read through these, you will see healing betrayal trauma gives you the skills and equips you to succeed and move forward in all areas of your life outside of your relationship, outside of the betrayal. And it changes your life for the better. You just can't walk away from it the same way. That is why I say it. It was the best worst thing to happen to me because I was forced to learn these things to manage the trauma. And in the process, I gained skills that helped me in all aspects of life. Moving on to emotional impact. I know more now about my emotions, what triggers them, and the common narratives and stories that I make up. I've learned the practice of witnessing my own emotions, tracing them back to the root stories from childhood and noticing how I typically react to these triggers. So I'm conscious of my own patterns. I can name the emotions I feel rather than feeling disconnected from them or acting out of them. I can tell when I'm making up a story based on that emotion or trigger before the stories and emotions, they felt so real. And therefore my reactions would represent the severity or intensity of the emotion I felt. And now when I feel a big emotion, I can let it pass through. I can recognize it's just an emotion. It makes sense that this emotion would come up considering my history of X, Y, Z. And that results in a much smaller reaction and an ability to manage the way I react outwardly. I have more resiliency in the face of my emotions. So rather than interpreting that they have something to do with me, I can detach myself and recognize that it's, it may be something that's coming up outwardly and it's not necessarily about me. 
I'm able to have empathy and hold space for others' feelings without getting triggered or defensive myself. So again, being able to separate my own experience from someone else's experience, which is a huge, huge skill to have. It's helped me so much. I've learned how to recognize shame, how it manifests, and not only my own reaction to shame, but being able to recognize it in others, which then informs me on how I can react and proceed from there. Through all of this work, I've uncovered my common fears of rejection, of not feeling chosen, not feeling good enough, all stemming from childhood that were just exacerbated by the betrayal trauma, but they were actually already existing there. And all of this really confronted me to face that, which bled over into healing, not just the betrayal, but how it was coming up and manifesting in other areas of my life too. I've learned that so much of my insecurity, my thoughts, and my behavior have been unconscious reactions to protect my inner child. And the biggest emotional benefit to come from all of this has been the consciousness and awareness of myself, thoughts, and patterns. Family impact. I'm so proud of the recovery and healing that has taken place within our family and knowing what we have individually and together been through. It gives me so much confidence in our ability to teach and model these things to our son. And you know, while, and again, this will make for another episode, we're no longer married, but still have such a positive co-parenting relationship. And I wholeheartedly attribute that to going through the recovery and healing process before we ended up separating. And, you know, unfortunately, I know a lot of relationships that experience betrayal because there's so much pain it makes sense that, you know, a lot of rash decisions are made or um, it's as a coping mechanism, it's very common to jump to all or nothing thinking and reacting to that is ending the relationship abruptly and immediately. And, and while that can create safety while you heal, oftentimes it can be the safest and healthiest you to separate yourself. Then if the healing doesn't take place at some point, Unhealed trauma is going to continue to bleed over into all areas of your life moving forward, including, you know, your family life and what that looks like after um, whether or not you stay together or separate, you know, because it's possible to stay together and not heal and you can separate and not heal. It's also possible to stay together and heal and separate and not heal. What I'm trying to say is your choice to stay or go does not mean you have done the work and healed. One would assume after experiencing sexual betrayal trauma that it would be impossible to ever participate, let alone enjoy sex again. And because of sexual addiction, the sacredness of what is supposed to be sex and and it's supposed to be intimacy. And essentially what sex addiction does is it takes intimacy. Sexual addiction is formed due to a lack of intimacy, but it is hidden or packaged and pretending to be something that it is not. And because of the work and the healing that I've done is specifically around detachment of myself, my worth, my identity. Thankfully, it has trickled over into that area of my life where now I don't accept anything less than true intimacy. I have the ability to recognize it. I have the ability to set boundaries for myself and expectations and 
you know, I think that without having experienced this and even going back to before I knew it existed, I think that I was more lax about not protecting it. And so now I'm, my partner and I now are so um, intentional about creating real intimacy and it has become something that I cherish and nurture and protect and appreciate so much more having been through what I've been through in that area of my life. Self-concept, because I know what it's like to not trust myself and to judge myself, beat myself up, I have become an expert in recognizing that dialogue. I now have an inner knowing that I can't quite explain. So whereas before I didn't trust myself at all, I trust myself so much more now. I, I don't know how else to verbalize it. You know, for so long, I operated from a place of doubt and fear and everything was shrouded by that. It was built on a foundation of doubt and fear. And as I kind of mentioned before I started this after, as I was explaining like how proud this process, this healing process I have become of myself. That's not something I would have ever said to you before, even before I found out about the betrayal. I just couldn't, I never was someone who would be like, you know, I'm so proud of myself. And so to go from this sense of like feeling like an absolute fool to feeling like, wow, look, like I can't believe I did that. It's pride, but not that like ego pride. It's like, oh my gosh, like telling that like small child, that inner child of the young Monica, like, look, you're going to be okay. We did it. We're okay. To describe the spiritual impact this whole process has had, I am going to read lyrics from one of my favorite songs because I think it so accurately describes what it's like to doubt your faith and come out on the other side. And it's from the song Just Be Held by Casting Crowns. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know that I always have and I always will. Not a tear is wasted and time you'll understand. I'm painting beauty with your ashes. Your life is in my hands. When you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. Sometimes what we pray for comes in a package we don't want to accept, but it's there nonetheless. And through this season, I learned to embrace that all God has for me, trusting that he has my best interest at heart and that he loves me. And I've learned that he will provide, he will heal, he will take those ashes and those crumbles of dust and create a new life better than the one you left behind. Even if you're blind to it right now, even if you can't see it or understand it, even if your emotions kick in and scream, just making the choice to trust him. That has what this process has taught me to do is I trust him even more now because through that season, it has built resilience and confidence and just experience that he's got me and it's always going to be okay. Financially, again, I kind of touched on this in the beginning when I was talking about the subject, but I mean, there's just, it's priceless. You can't put a price on healing. So every penny that was spent on therapy, I mean, I, again, it couldn't be money better spent in my opinion. Ability to trust. Honestly, having the most horrific truth brought to light 
it makes me trust more than I did before because whereas before I had reasons to doubt the truth, um, now that everything is in the light, I don't, I don't fear anything that is kept in the darkness. Even if there are things that I don't know, right? That was my biggest fear. Like, well, that's what caused the hypervigilance. What do I not know? What could be a lie? Even if it is a lie, even if people choose to lie again and betray, because this has taught me so much, I have the confidence that I'll be able to handle it. And I, I also trust myself and my ability to perceive and, and trust my intuition as well. And so I'm not so afraid at what is going to come out and just like, you know, get me from behind or like, it's like, I, I have that peace that no matter what happens, it's, it's all going to be fine. Love and relationships. One of the biggest lessons that I learned throughout this process is how much junk I also brought into our relationship from the beginning. And, you know, in the beginning, I was totally blind to my own wrongdoings, my own wounds, because of course, like the first part to healing betrayal is to start there first. And then ultimately you can, you know, settle enough to be able to, to move on to beyond that. But, you know, I don't know that I ever would have been broken enough to look that deep within myself and not to say that obviously like there were two people involved in the relationship, but I wouldn't be the person that I was today if I was only counting on him to fix his stuff. Betrayal or not, I am now a better person because of the accountability that I have taken for my own stuff in our relationship then and my relationship now and all of my relationships going forward because of the awareness and the work that I have done to dive deep into what wounds occurred before and what baggage I bring into relationships. So again, because of that, my relationships now are better because of it and they are more um, aware, they're more enriched and intentional as a result. Lastly, consequences and losses, you know, whereas before betrayal felt like the worst thing to ever happen to me at the time. I didn't know how it could possibly get any worse. I mean, it felt like I had lost everything and reality. I wasn't being buried. I was being planted a few years of suffering, a year of hell and the hardest work I've ever done in my life, all for a lifetime of redemption and fulfillment and authentic love that came as a result of this journey. I'll make that trade any day. And because of this, I view heartache and loss so much differently. You know, yes, it's painful, but it can be used for good. And there are always things to be grateful for, even amid the pain and suffering. I know that can be hard to believe and even like, like a stab in the back when you're going through it. It's like, how could you possibly say that to me? At least that's how I felt going through it. But again, as one, I feel like I've earned the right to say that now I've earned my stripes to be able to at least look back on uh, my past self and, and be able to say that with conviction and confidence. There is hope. You can build a life and a relationship that are even better than the one that was shattered. You can trust yourself and others again, even if you feel like that's impossible right now. You can find compassion, empathy, and understanding for yourself and your partner without condoning or excusing the behavior. But first, you have to make the choice to heal. Thank you so much for allowing me to be vulnerable with you today. 
if you are someone who has experienced betrayal in your relationship and you're struggling to move on from it, I just want to encourage you. Healing from betrayal trauma does not happen overnight. In fact, there are nine different stages of the healing process. It's quite a journey. And if you're struggling to move on from it, if you resonate with any of the things that I described, the symptoms, the experiences, chances are you're stuck in one of the stages of betrayal trauma. And I've actually created a free guide that describes and walks you through each of the nine stages of betrayal trauma with checklists to help you identify which stage you are in. And identifying where you are in the process will help you feel seen and know that you're completely normal. Gosh, it is so easy to feel like you're crazy. Like, what is wrong with me? And there's nothing. You're not crazy. It's just trauma. So head to the show notes, the description of this episode to find the link to this free resource. Hey again, thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end, which makes you one of my favorite people. If you can think of anyone who would benefit from listening to this episode, it would mean the world if you'd either send it to them directly or share about it on social media. Ratings and reviews are the absolute best way you can support the podcast and keep the content coming. So make sure to subscribe and leave some love while you're at it. You can find me on all of the social platforms at Monica Lee blog and follow the podcast at choosing to heal. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.